Today's episode is brought to you by PurinaPartners.com. Whether your fur baby is a dog or a cat, their health and happiness is probably your top concern. And finding someone you can trust to always be there when you need help caring for them can be difficult. For us at Purina, keeping your pet happy and healthy is the passion that has kept us going strong for over a hundred years. And we will always be there to help you make pet care easier so you can cuddle more and worry way less. That's why at PurinaPartners.com, you will find Purina-approved companies who offer top-notch services and amazing value. With Purina and its partners on your side, you can feel confident in the choices you are making for your pet. Visit PurinaPartners.com today and let Purina help you be the best pet parent you can be. The Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper Episode 1, Midwinter Eve Will pressed his face to the window pane. The snow lay thin and apologetic over the world. The straggling trees of the orchard were still dark, the white squares on the roofs of the garage, the old barn, the rabbit hutches, the chicken coops. Further back, he could see the flat fields of Dawson's farm, dimly white-striped. All the broad sky was grey, full of snow that refused to fall. No colour anywhere. Four days to Christmas. I wish it would snow properly. Will looked away. The gift he wanted most this Christmas was something nobody could give him. Snow. Beautiful, deep, blanketing snow. And it never came. At least this year there was the grey sprinkle. That was better than nothing. Oh, I haven't fed the rabbits yet. Hey, James! Want to come feed the rabbits with me? Said his brother. They ran down the stairs and clumped out through the sprawling kitchen. Rabbits! Shouted their mother. No, Mum, we're already going. Will shouted, shutting the door behind them. Outdoors was suddenly very quiet. Opening the cage to feed the rabbits, Will paused, frowning. Normally they would rush forward, twitch nose to eat, but today they leapt back in alarm as he opened their hutches. Hey, James, what's the matter with them? They seem terrified of me. Dear Will, happy 11th birthday and happy Christmas from Kingston, Jamaica. Here I am sending you a single present for both, which I know I always promised never to do, but let me tell you why. I was in the oldest part of Kingston one day during carnival. Anyway, I got mixed up in a procession when an old man, white hair, deep eyes, appeared out of nowhere, pulled me aside and said, You are Stephen Stanton. Her Majesty's Navy, I have something for you. Not for you, but for your youngest brother, the seventh son. It will be a gift from you, his brother, and he will know what to do with it in due course, although you will not. All I could say was, but who are you, and how do you know me? 
he looked at me again and said, I would know you anywhere. You are Will Stanton's brother. There is a look we old ones have, and our families have something of it too. I don't know what he meant by old ones, but, um, well, here I am sending it to you, what he gave me. I don't know whether you will understand, especially after you see what the present is, but perhaps you will. You've always been a bit different from everyone else. Love, Stephen. When the dark comes rising, six Six shall turn it back. Three from the circle, three from the track. Wood, bronze, iron. Water, fire, stone. Five will return, and one go alone. Tugging the handcart, Will and his brother James made their way down the overgrown drive of their house and along the road to Dawson's farm to fetch the hay their mother had asked for. Will glanced up at the treetops and he saw the sky dark with wheeling birds. Listen to those rooks, James. Something's disturbed them. Come on, Will, let's pick up the pace. It'll be getting dark soon. But why are they making a fuss? They ought to be roosting by now. Oh, come on, let's go. But as Will's head turned, he jumped and <gasps> clutched his brother's arm. What's up? There's someone over there in the shadows looking at us. Or oh, there was. Just someone out for a walk. So what? No, it was a weird-looking man. All hunched over. When he saw me looking, he ran off behind a tree. He scuttled like a beetle. It's just a tramp, Will. But it feels like such a weird day. First my rabbits were all scared of me, then the rooks, and now this tramp is spying on us. Pull yourself together. Come on, let's get that hay for Mum. I want my tea. The handcart bumped through the frozen ruts into Dawson's yard. Oh, smell that. The cowshed must have been mucked out today. Afternoon, John. The cattleman, John Smith, was grooming the great shire horse Polly by the stables. He raised his hand in greeting, looking at the two boys with steady eyes. Nothing missed John. Ah. Well, James? Farmer Dawson came out of a barn. Hey, uh, hay for your mother's rabbits and chickens, you want? Yes, please, Mr Dawson. John? The farmer glanced up at the sky. Two black rooks were slowly circling, and Will saw a strange look come over his lined brown face. The rooks are making an awful din today. And Will saw a tramp up by the wood. What was he like? Ah, just a little old man. He dodged away. So the walker is abroad. Ah, he would be. Nasty weather for walking. Look at that. Oh, yeah, more snow coming. The clouds of the farmhouse roof were massing, growing ominously darker. It's a horrible day. It's weird somehow. There's John with the hay. Come on, Will. You go, James. I want Will to pick up something for your mother from the house. John! But as James pushed the handcart off towards the barn, Farmer Dawson didn't move. He remained where he was and looked up again at the darkening sky. The walker is abroad. This night will be bad, and tomorrow will be beyond imagining. And then he looked down at Will, and Will looked back in growing alarm. Tomorrow will be beyond imagining. 
What can he mean? You have a birthday coming, Will. Yes, tomorrow. I have something for you. The farmer glanced briefly round the yard and then withdrew one hand from his pocket and gave Will an ornament made of black iron, a flat circle quartered by two crossed lines. What is it? For the moment, just call it something to keep. Keep with you always, all the time. Now put it in your pocket now. That's it. And later on, out of sight of others, loop your belt through it and wear it like an extra buckle. Thank you very much, Mr Dawson. Farmer Dawson looked at Will in the same intent, unnerving way. Keep it safe, Will. The less you happen to talk about it, the better. You'll need it after the snow comes. Will felt the hair rise on the back of his neck. Come on now. Mrs Dawson has a jar of her mincemeat for your mother. But Mrs Dawson was not there. Instead, waiting in the doorway was Maggie Barnes, one of the farmhands. Round-faced, red-cheeked, she always reminded Will of an apple. Here's your mincemeat, Mr Dawson. Mrs Dawson said you'd be wanting it for young Will here. She went down to the village to see the vicar for something. Oh, thank you, Maggie. All yours, Will. How's your big brother, Max, then, Will? <laughs> oh, uh, fine, thank you. Growing his hair long. <laughs> long hair, get away with you. And then Will noticed her gaze slip upwards past his head and out of the corner of his eye. He thought he saw a flicker of movement by the farmyard gate. No, no one's there. Get a grip, Will. Right, Will. Let's be taken back. Bye, Maggie. Bye, James. Bye, Will. But as the boys were leaving the yard, suddenly the farm dog Racer appeared out of nowhere, furious. Racer! James! Oh, oh come on, boy, you won't hurt you. Let's go! James, something's wrong. Racer, he's never been scared of me before. Something's awful. Let's go! The daylight was beginning to die. Dark birds thronged over the treetops, even more agitated than before. And there he was. James! The stranger in the lane, standing beside the churchyard. I told you there was someone watching us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. A shambling, tattered figure, more like a bundle of old clothes than a man. He turned his shaggy head to look at the boys, and then, suddenly... Rushing down out of the sky, two huge rooks swept at him. And then three more whirling black shapes after the first two, diving wildly at him again and again. He's running! What was that? Rooks, they don't do that sort of thing. They don't attack people. They just don't. Dazed, Will felt his cheek brush against something and putting his hand to his shoulder, he found a long black feather there. And he suddenly became aware that someone was trying to tell him something. Something I can't understand, like a kind of silent shout. That that was quite a thing, wasn't it? When the rooks came out from the sky... Oh, no... What a thing. I suppose the tramp must have been trying to catch a rook and it got wild. Oh, well, on we go. James is forgetting. He's forgetting it. The attack. How are you feeling about your birthday? Do you want to know I got you? It's running out of his mind like water. As if something is wiping it 
from his memory. Something or someone doesn't want him to remember what has just happened. Come on, chop chop! That table is not going to lay itself. Oh, turn that radio off. What? What? Why is it doing that? I can't hear myself. Turn it off. Will sat quietly at tea. His fingers closed round the iron circle in his pocket and held it tightly. This time, the iron felt warm. He kept his mouth full to avoid having to talk. Not that his talk would be missed in the cheerful babble of the Stanton family, especially given he was its youngest member and the ninth of nine now, children. what do we have for tea tomorrow, Bill? Oh, liver and bacon, please. Oh. Oh. Oh, shut up, the rest of you. It's Will's 11th birthday. He can choose. Say, please, please, Will, tell us you don't really want to have liver and bacon. <laughs> oh, shut up, Jay. Let him have what he wants. Sorry, I'm late, man. Oh, I had to walk from the common. Wow, you should <laughs> see it out there. Like a blizzard. What? Don't you all know it's snowing? <gasps> Free your soup all. Heavy. Oh, I'll say here. Oh, wow. Look at this. It's covered. Shut the door. Shut that Later that evening, as Will climbed the stairs to his room at the top of the house, he could think of nothing except what he hoped he might see in the morning. Snow everywhere. He opened the bedroom curtain and pressed his nose against the cold window pane, gazing out into the dark. Still snowing. Heavier, if anything. As Will slipped into his bed, he reached over into his trouser pocket on the chair beside him and took out the strange iron ornament that Farmer Dawson had given him. He ran his fingers around the circle and along the inner cross that quartered it. It was freezing now. Such an odd kind of iron. No shine, but no rust either. And so cold to touch. Loop your belt through it. Out of sight of others. After the snow comes... And it was then, without warning, that the fear came. The first wave caught him as he scrambled out of bed. It halted him stock still in the middle of the room. I can't move. The rooks. The trucks. And then the image of the attack was gone, and he was released. Nothing's wrong. Everything will be... All right. If only I can stop thinking and go to sleep. It'll be your birthday when you wake up. Oh, frightened of the dark. How pathetic. Look, there's the bookcase and the table. Everything's ordinary. Just go to sleep. Will still tossed uneasily. The feeling was growing worse every minute, as if some huge weight was pushing at his mind, trying to take him over. And then into his mind came a dreadful darkness, a sense of looking into... A great black pit! And the fear jumped at him again, 
like a great animal that had been waiting to spring. I can't move again. I, I'm going mad! Going mad! Will! Will, you all right? You're huddled in a ball. What was that crash? The skylight in the ceiling was hanging open, swaying. A black square of empty night in the roof. And on the carpet below the skylight, a heap of snow. Well, I suppose the snow was too heavy for it. Did it wake you? Lord, what a horrible shock. Yes, yes, it was a shock. Well, I tell you what, Will, it's freezing up here. Why don't you go down to our room and sleep in my bed, hmm? OK, right, thanks. Come on. Will bundled up his I've discarded clothes, picked up the belt and its new iron ornament. He smiled at Paul, but still he felt... I can't stay here. I just can't. I feel as though something is attacking me. I just don't know who or what. Because he had noticed something that Paul had not. Buried in the heap of snow on the attic room floor, Will had seen the fresh black wing feather of a rook. This night will be bad. And tomorrow will be beyond imagining. The dark, the dark is rising. Oh, the dark, the dark is rising. The dark, the dark, the dark is rising. The Dark is Rising, a drama by Susan Cooper. Episode 1 of 12 was adapted for audio by Robert McFarlane and Simon McBurney. Directed by Simon McBurney. Produced by Catherine Bailey and Tim Bell and is a Complicité and Catherine Bailey production for BBC World Service and is commissioned by Simon Pitts. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.